If you have a copy of the scriptures, we're in the book of Ephesians. You are welcome to turn to your own copy or use it on whatever you have, a phone, an iPad. Uh, It's all different. Um, The translation that I use will be on the screens, so you're welcome to follow there also as it might help with regards to uh, just being at the same page and on the same text. Um, It is my hope. It is my belief. That when the church gathers together, it should be one of the most welcoming, loving spaces that you ever walk into. It is also my hope and my belief that it should be one of the most uncomfortable places that you ever walk into. I I really think that that's supposed to be true. Because I believe that when God begins to stir in us, we are shaken. We are rattled. As I told you, I had, I had a great couple days in Chicago. Um, I was gone 48 hours or so. had a great couple days in Chicago. Uh, but it did some havoc on my soul. Uh, as they challenged me to dive deep and explore the things that God wanted to do and the ways in which... That would transform who I was today. Our being formed into the image of Christ is never comfortable. Our coming to look like the Savior will always hurt a bit. There will be mistakes. There will be corrections. There will be things we have to figure out. And because we are all so different, even the idea of us coming to look like the Savior is not about us all coming to share the exact same cookie-cutter form. Because God intentionally created us as different human beings. So we respond and act and interact with the Savior differently. We're going to talk more about that um, today as we as we walk forward in this. Um, but I love it when the Spirit begins to move among us, um, as the Spirit has been doing and stirring. And as it works in Brenda, who doesn't mind me calling her out, I know that, or I wouldn't have done it. As it works in her, it may look different for others of us. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing at all. And as much as we allow God to do what God wants to do in her, we allow God to do what God wants to do in her. In in us, we allow God to do what God wants to do in her, and we figure out what that looks like and how that works for each of us. And I believe the Spirit is stirring. Not just in Brenda, because I heard Brenda. I want to start um, just reading to you three quotes, three quotes that kind of lay out some, some framework, some guidelines for, for the conversation that we have frequently about discipleship, about formation, about what that means. But especially for what we're in right now, as we're talking about uh, these ideas of what it means to be a part of Valley, these these lifestyle commitments, these ways of living that we've been talking about, this kind of understanding of this is who Valley is. 
three quotes that come from a book by a guy named Robert Mulholland. The book is called Invitation to a Journey. And these quotes lay out a framework for me and I think for us of, of how we think about some of this and what we do. So they should be on the screens, but let me read them to you. It's one, the first says this. It says, spiritual formation is a process of being formed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. And I could, I could spend a day on, on just that. I'm not going to, but, but I easily could. Here's a second quote. It says, The Christian journey, therefore, is an intentional and continual commitment to a lifelong process of growth toward wholeness in Christ. And here's a third. Paul implies that our spiritual journey... While it is unique to each of us as an individual member of the body of Christ, it is not an isolated pilgrimage, but it's part of a sort of caravan. I mentioned this one last week, but didn't read it. Part of a sort of caravan with the diverse members of the body. All three kind of, kind of paint for us a framework, a, a structure of what we believe the scriptures have called us to, of what we believe the scriptures tell us about our own journey and about the church's journey. We believe that we are on a journey together, a journey in which we are seeking and desiring to be transformed. Notice the first quote used that word, be transformed. Not that we were transforming ourselves, but that we were to be transformed to the image of Christ. This is what we want for ourselves. This is what we seek for others. We believe, as we talked about last week, that God has chosen the church as the method of gathering the faithful. God has chosen the church as the bride of Christ. God has chosen the church as the ideal method of moving forward the ways of the kingdom of God. The prayer we learned from Jesus says on earth as it is in heaven. So a valley, our terminology for this is that, that we exist to make disciples. As family on mission. And we're kind of walking through each of those. We're kind of walking through kind of some, some, some behaviors that we believe help us get there. We desire that we be formed our, ourselves as individuals, that each of us be formed to be more and more like God has created us to be, like like. Christ intends for us to be. And we want the same for others, for those who are gathered with us, for those who aren't yet. So we come together and we come together as, as family. And I know that that's a scary word. We'll talk about family a little bit next week. Because family is difficult and hard and confusing and you struggle. And everybody has the weird aunt that you don't like or that everybody talks nasty about behind their back. So you think family and you're like, well, who has to be the weird aunt in here? Well, nobody has to be. Because even though we have an idea of what family is... Our emotionally healthy spirituality stuff says we are the new family of Jesus. And Jesus says family exists in a way different than perhaps we've experienced family or lived family or walked with family or, 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 or been family. Because I mentioned family to some of you and you're like, uh-uh, I don't want anything to do with that. I've been in one and I don't like the one I have now. I don't want a new one. It's funny, but it's not. We're trying to figure out how to be a new family of Jesus together. We also believe that we are people on mission. We exist designed to communicate to people 
far from God by whatever means possible, that they are deeply loved by Jesus. So a couple disclaimers as I walk forward in this. First, we don't have this all figured out. If you want a little more understanding of that, I talked some about that last week. We'll give you a copy of last week's sermon if you want it. If we can figure out how to do so, I'd love to tell you to go to our website and hear it or iTunes or something like that. But our website blew up a few months ago and we haven't figured out how to fix it yet. Um, So there's one out there, but it has very little on it. So we're still working on how do we fix that and what does that mean. But um, you can't go to the website. If you need a copy of something, let us know and we'll get you those. Um, But we don't have it all figured out. We, we don't understand fully what this means. We just believe that this is the road that Christ has called us to, so we're trying to walk forward in it. A second disclaimer, let me say this. I, I mentioned last week that in some ways these four weeks would serve kind of like a membership 101 class that we don't have. And yet I realized as I thought more about that, that that, that class, if we were to do it, would also include more kind of procedures and processes and, and expectations of levels of involvement or, or commitment or membership and what all of that meant. And I'll just be 100% honest that us having that conversation in this format would get really verbose and confusing and honestly incredibly boring. So we're not having that piece of the conversation here. If that interests you and you need to figure out about levels and processes and what that means, I would love to have the conversation with you because it needs to be a conversation. A back and forth where you ask questions and we talk about things that we don't understand, that we don't get. So let me know. Shoot me an email. We'll schedule a time and we'll sit down and we'll talk about all that. But that won't happen here. This is the broad strokes. This is the broad strokes about the behaviors that we believe each of us should be committing to as members of this body, of this family. Commitments that we make to Christ, commitments that we make to each other, commitments that we make to ourselves as we walk forward. And the first of those is a commitment to whole life discipleship. Our Constitution bylaws say it this way. It says, through practicing spiritual disciplines, growing in knowledge and faithfulness to Christ's likeness, and adopting a way of life that encourages becoming all God has created each of us to be. I think the actual language says member, but each of us to be. Now, we've made some unfortunate assumptions that I realized in that statement. This week, as I looked back at it, I realized some assumptions that we have made that I don't want to make today. So let me clarify what the assumptions are. One of them is that you know you are deeply loved by Jesus. We've started with that assumption. You don't get to this place until you know you are deeply loved by Jesus. We've also taken the assumption that that before this commitment, you already understand that God has Beautiful dreams for your life. And perhaps the most important and the one that, that, we, that we least want to assume, even though we've done so, is that you, you grasp, you understand that more than Jesus desi- desires anything from you. Jesus desires to be in relationship with you. More than he wants actions or activities or what you do, 
Jesus wants you to be in his presence in relationship with him. We've made those assumptions as we walked forward, and, and you need to, to get those things figured out. And, and we'll, we'll walk with you through that. But, but those assumptions are important before we can get to the place that we make this commitment. We believe that Jesus and the scriptures call us to something different than a, than a traditional religion. But that Jesus and the scriptures have called us into relationship with the creator of the world. Relationship with the savior of the universe. And yet, I have to be honest and tell you that I think few churches and honestly few Christians actually live this out. We say it. We even have these these pithy, trite little sayings that we say about relationship, not religion. And yet, as you watch us live out what our faith means, we often default to what is much, much easier, religion. We settle for religion because religion is easy and religion is cleaner and religion is clearer and religion can be defined and we can give you to-do lists and check marks and what to say and how to say it and when to say it and how to behave among other people. Religion is often our default, even as Christians, because it's so much cleaner. Relationships are messy and they're mysterious and they're hard to define and they have to be flexible Because they're so hard for us to get out there. Well, what does it mean to have a relationship with a being that I can't actually sit in Starbucks with? Well, it's a little mysterious. Well, I don't want mystery. I just want you to tell me what it looks like. As I talk again about our prayer that the Holy Spirit fall down and we're like, whoa, 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 but not if it's mysterious. I have to be able to understand it. And we often do that as we talk about relationship with Jesus and what it means. And yet the reality is our relationship with Jesus is messy. It's indescribable. It's unclear. It, it has to be a bit flexible. It's, it's confusing in some regards. And when we sit and talk about, well, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. To them, it sounds just as clear as saying, you and Casper the ghost should be best buddies. And you're like, I don't even know how to see him. I, yeah, I know that part's a little weird. Yes, it is. It's hard and it's hard to figure out. So we've settled for what's so much easier. Religion is easier because we can establish a list of do's and don'ts. Do read your Bible. Don't lie to people. Do show up at church every Sunday. We have this multitude of ways in which we define church. Church is the Sunday morning gathering. Church is the building we come to. Church is the people we are. So do show up at church every Sunday. Don't have sex with people you aren't married to. I mean, we have this list of do's and don'ts, and the lists keep going, and they get longer, and they get longer, and the desire of our heart is really not fouled up. The desire of our heart is that we clarify as easy as possible what does it mean for us to follow Jesus. We want it to be clearly defined and easy to understand, so we create these lists, and these lists do one of two things. They either comfort us... Because we're rule followers and we're, we're, we like to check things off list and it makes sense. So they, they bring comfort and we're like, oh, yeah, I, I think I can do this. Or they run us off because we look at the list and we're like, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm tired of rules. I'm tired of obligations. I'm tired of checklists. I'm overwhelmed with them. So no way. And wherever we land, whether they comfort us or they run us off, we tend to take these lists and we pick and choose which ones we like and which ones we don't. And we commit really deeply to the ones that we like and we expect everybody else to do the same. But the ones that we don't like, we're like, ah, I'm not worried about that one. Jesus didn't really mean Sabbath. 
It wasn't actually tithe. It was something else that sort of means you should give a few dollars once in a while. I mean, there's this whole list of things we've chosen or we've thrown aside or we've pushed aside as we walk through our lists. And, and, and hear me. Man, I'm going to ramble some this morning because I have to be honest. I am overwhelmed with some of this. I feel like I've been taking water from a fire hydrant, and I'm trying to give you some of it back, except I'm trying to redirect just a little bit of it so you get some of it. So I, I get kind of bouncy in some of this because I'm overwhelmed with what God is trying to do in me with regards to this. And it is my hope that I can give some words that bring some encouragement and some structure. So let me say this. Our, our rules and our lists and our things that we organize, they're not bad. I'm not saying that they're bad or that they're inappropriate or that we shouldn't follow them. In fact, every relationship I've ever been in has some rules. It has some understood do's and don'ts. Some things that we know we're supposed to follow. Some things that we know are a part of what's happening. There are some simple rules that I need to understand exist in a marriage. But those rules don't mean we have a good marriage. Just following those aren't sufficient. And just following those don't define that this relationship is different than other relationships, right? I should not lie to Callie. Pretty simple rule, right? I also should not lie to my mailman. And yet the relationships are totally different. Right? But, but simple rules that we bring into place. And those rules aren't a bad thing. They're a really good thing. But those don't clarify how my relationship with Callie looks different than my relationship with my mailman. And yet, that rule applies to both. So as you and I think about relationships, if we, if we actually believe this idea that, that we're trying to call you into a relationship with Jesus, as you think about relationships, what kind of behaviors are true in other relationships in your life? Especially the most important ones. The ones that are most valuable, that are deepest. Whether it be your marriage or your best friend or somebody that you're connected with at school or in your workplace. What kinds of behaviors come into place for those relationships that are most important and most most pressing, most relevant in your life. I think I think a few of those things are, are that we make commitments to one another in those relationships that matter, right? In our deepest and our most important relationships, we make commitments to one another. We have some commitments. We desire to get to know one another more deeply. We look for ways to spend time together. We actually want the best for each other. We're made different by the interactions that we have together. In our most important relationships, they change us. They make us different people, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. But the time that we spend together, it makes of us something new, something different. And that is what we are hoping that we can call people at Valley to with regards to a relationship with Jesus. To these same kinds of commitments, these same types of behaviors, these same types of, of interactions of what happens and what we do. But here's the reality, and here's part of why we do our small groups, is because we believe that you have to take ownership of the relationship that you have with Jesus. We believe that it has to be you. The church cannot make you closer to Jesus. 
Your pastor cannot make you closer to Jesus. A sermon cannot do it. Even a song during the worship time cannot do it alone. You have to take responsibility for what it means for you to have a relationship with the Savior. Now, we can give you tools. We can give you, give you different things that help make that happen, whether it be reading plans or times of worship or songs that we sing together or prayers or, yes, even sermons. But we can't make it happen for you. We can be friends on the journey as you figure out walking forward in this and what this looks like and how you do this, but we cannot do it for you. And the reality is that this relationship also cannot start with do's and don'ts. It can't actually start with the rules and the practices of follow this and do this, say this, don't say that. We can't sustain a relationship when that's all it is. If all it is is the do's and the don'ts, if all it is is the rules and the practices, that's not a relationship that we sustain. The relationships that we sustain, the ones that we want, the ones that we long to see move forward with other people, but also with Jesus... There has to be a deep desire inside of us that makes us want to follow some of the rules that exist. That make us want to carry forward in these behaviors and these practices. A deep desire that stirs inside of us. And I believe that each of us are wired with and created with a deep desire to be loved by Jesus. I believe that we're each created with a deep desire to love Jesus. And becoming more like Christ means that we have to be in the presence of the Savior. That we have to be together with Jesus. The rules never accomplish it on their own. The checklist, the check marks, the things that we do or that we don't do never get there on their own. We might become really nice people by following those rules, but it doesn't mean we actually become followers of Jesus. We might do the things that Jesus called us to, but we don't know Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Do you desire deep down in your soul to be in the presence of Jesus? Was there a time that maybe you did? If not right now, if, if you hear that or you, you go, well, I don't even know what that means. Was, was there a time? Was there a time that there was this longing, this stirring, this hope that you could experience what people were talking about as they talked about relationship with Jesus, as they talked about interacting with, with Christ? Does the idea of sitting in the presence of Christ kind of stir something inside of you? Let me be honest. I've never actually met someone that wouldn't appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with Jesus. I've never met anybody that wouldn't. Some people want that time so they can come together and worship him. Some people want that so that they can ask Jesus some questions. Some people want that time so that they can chew Jesus out just a little bit. But I've never met anyone that doesn't say, sure, I'd love to have a a cup of coffee with Jesus. Again, whether it's worship or I got some things to deal with with that guy, I've never met anyone that wouldn't say I want to do that. And, and hear me, I believe that Jesus is willing to take any of those reasons and for us to come and spend time with him. Because I believe that Jesus is absolutely convinced that if you spend time in his presence, that his love will transform you. So I don't think Jesus is opposed to you saying, yeah, I want to spend time with this Jesus guy. I got some things to say to that guy. Come on. 
I think Jesus is prepped and ready and that Jesus believes that he will transform your soul if you spend enough time in his midst. And that that is the deepest longing of Christ's heart. So throughout church history, because people have longed for this and looked for this and, and tried to figure out what it means to spend with Christ, there, there are these practices that have come into being. These practices are disciplines. We've talked about them before. Jeff was talking about some of them a couple weeks ago. Um, we talked about them in the beginning of our gathering as a small group together. These, these, these again, practices, disciplines, there's, there's all kinds of words that are hard to come up with to help us get it and understand it. But we, we think about prayer and scripture reading and silence and solitude, worship, Sabbath, sacrificial giving, enjoying nature. Alvin talked about not only our, our call to enjoy nature, but to protect and sustain and care for. Dominion doesn't mean we get to destroy. Dominion means we're supposed to protect it and move it forward. I know that doesn't count as a third sermon you've heard, Alvin, but I'll at least say that much today, all right? Yes, right on. The call of being partnered with Christ is that we redeem and restore all of God's creation. People's souls and God's trees. Not either or, both and. And as we try and figure out what this looks like, I, I didn't even intend to say that. I forgot exactly. Oh, yeah, practices. Whew. Man, I'm telling you, I, I so feel overwhelmed, um, like this water from a fire hydrant thing. I've rewritten this sermon a multitude of times, and I don't even like the version you're getting right now. Um, these practices exist to help us spend time with the Savior. And when we come at it from the religious Understanding from the religious concept of, of what it means to be with Jesus, they become obligations. But if we, if we change our thinking and we think about being with Christ in the relational context, they're not obligations, they're opportunities. They're opportunities to exist in the presence of Christ. They're opportunities to spend time with the Savior. They're opportunities to dwell in the desire of our soul, which I believe is Jesus, whether you know it yet or not. We have these opportunities. We've been given this chance to be with Jesus. Now, caveat. Sometimes we make the mistake of believing that our practices form us to look more like Christ. That these things that we do are what actually bring transformation in us. And, and that's mistaken thought of how the practices work. The reality is Jesus makes us more like Jesus. God makes us more holy. The Holy Spirit brings about the fruits of the Spirit that Jeff talked about a couple weeks ago. We don't do any of that. The work of transformation is Jesus' work. Our work is availability. Our work is being willing to be available. Our work is being willing to be formed by the Spirit. Another great quote, I think it came from Mulholland's book also, is that the grace of God will knock at the door of your heart and knock and knock and knock. But he will never force it open. 
Our work is being available. Our work is being open. Our work is sitting in the presence of the Savior and allowing God to do these beautiful things in us. It's about being consistent and intentional and committed to the relationship that we have a chance to be in with Jesus. And that when we do so, Jesus will make of us a new creation. And we will become a blessing to the church and to the kingdom of God and to the world that we live in. But we'll talk more about that next week. But we need this time, this time in presence of Jesus to be formed, to be transformed. Now, again, as we bounce back and forth between religious context and, and relationship context, in the religious context, we have developed the idea that we spend time with Jesus all in the same way. That we all do exactly the same thing. That we all should spend time together. And this is what it has to look like. When I was a kid, it was called a quiet time. That's what you did. You had a quiet time. And there were certain elements. There were certain expectations of what a quiet time had to be. There were guidelines and assumptions. One of them was that it happened early in the morning. Another of them was that it involved lots of scripture. Another was that it involved lots of prayer. And the holiest of people among us did it earlier in the morning, read more scripture, and had the longest prayer lists. All the rest of us were messing up in some way. Now, again, I, I know I'm poking fun at this just a bit, that I'm, that I'm jabbing it. And yes, I am. But let me also say that to those of you that this is what it looks like in spiritual formation with you, in presence with Christ, I envy you a bit. There is something in me that envies this because I have to be honest. This idea, I have always struggled to figure out how to make it work. When I was a kid and they talked about quiet time, I thought, man, I don't do anything quiet. Like, I don't even know what quiet means. How in the world am I supposed to get there? So while I push a little bit, I'm not actually knocking that this cannot be and that there aren't some of you that this is exactly how you grow in your faith and spend time with Jesus. I am saying that I believed that there was something broken in me because this did not make me feel closer in relationship to my Savior. And I believe that there are some of you that feel the same way. And I want you to know that it doesn't mean that there is something broken in you. It means you were created differently. And because we were each created differently, we have this large array of practices and disciplines of ways in which we have opportunities to interact with the Savior. To come in contact with who Jesus is. If we move out of the religious context and back into the relationship context, think about this in regards to all the other relationships you have. Do you do the exact same thing with every friend that you have because that's what it means to be a friend? Sorry, I have to take this coat off. It's kind of driving me crazy. The exact same thing with all of them, and I'm way past supposed to be done. I know. We're getting there. Of course you don't. Even if you have a group of best friends, each person in that has different roles, right? Different things that you do and different conversations with you have that you have with different ones. Not every relationship we're in exists exactly the same way. They're different because we're different and they're different. And as we interact with people differently, it changes. What about one relationship? Think about one relationship. The most important relationship in your life. Think about, about who that person is. As I talk to you about Callie and I, we need a variety of experiences in our marriage in order for our marriage to be full and valuable and thriving and growing. We do not do the exact same thing together every time we're together. Our marriage is stale and outdated and not any fun and it begins to have struggles. We need a variety of life together. Sometimes it's dinner 
Sometimes it's a long conversation with a cup of coffee. Sometimes it's going to a movie together. Sometimes it's a trip together. Sometimes we need to play or run or go exercise together. Sometimes because we're married, it's physical intimacy. But none of these things are all the time or every moment. We need this variety of experience together in order for our relationship to be full. We need talk and silence. We need play and rest. Sometimes we need to give to the other and sometimes we need to receive from the other. Sometimes it's laughter and sometimes it's tears. But we need this full gamut of experience. We need variety together. This variety of spiritual practices exists not so that you and I can master every single one, but so that we can figure out how it is that we best dwell in the presence of Christ. And for some of us, that will be prayer. And for others, it will be scripture. And for some, it'll be a hike out in nature. And for others, it'll be songs of worship. And for some, it'll be journaling. And for some, it'll be the treadmill. And I could go on and on and on as we experience Christ in this multitude of ways. But we need a multitude of interactions with Christ. And the key to them is intentionality. It's that you and I be intentional. A walk outside is not spending time with Jesus if I don't make it spending time with Jesus. Reading the Bible is not spending time with Jesus if I don't make sure that that time in the scripture is about spending time in the presence of the Savior. It's just reading a book. If I don't invite Jesus into those moments. It's about our intentionality. And that's true in our marriage and our friendships and our family. And it's true with Jesus. We have to search out best ways of spending time with Christ. Most important ways in different seasons and in different times. It changes and it grows and it moves and it goes different ways. Because that's the reality of every single relationship we've ever been in. And why would we think the one with Jesus would look any different? So I'm way out of time. And I'm not sure if I've actually said anything that makes any sense. I'm sorry. So can I just end with this? My challenge to you is just start somewhere. Just start somewhere with the idea that you want to spend time with Jesus. Be honest about the desire of your heart, the desire to be in the presence of the Savior. And maybe you have to revisit the whole desire conversation on your own too, of figuring out, is that your desire? What is it that you want? Is Jesus at the root of those desires? But spend time with Jesus and then then just just do this, just start. Just imagine you're going to go on a first date with Jesus. Go on a first date. Do something together. Take a walk. Do what Andy Stanley calls chair time. Spend 10 or 15 minutes in the morning in a chair in the presence of Jesus. Read the Bible a bit if you want. Pray a bit if you want. Just sit and be silent a bit if you want. But spend time intentionally in the presence of Jesus. And let me make you a promise. It will start really awkward. What first date wasn't? They're always awkward in the beginning. They're always confusing because when you go, you're afraid that you're going to say something wrong or do something wrong or wear the wrong outfit. You're so overwhelmed in all of those things that the first one's just weird. But then you have a second or a third or a fourth and you begin to come to know one another and to interact with one another better and to grow to know each other and appreciate each other. So take a first date with Jesus and when the first one is weird, try again. 
Just, just try again. And maybe you do the same thing for a little while and feel it out. How does it go? And then maybe you think, you know, in my relationships that I care most about, they look a little more like this than they do like that. So shift what you're doing. Look for variety of interaction with Christ because Jesus wants to spend time with you. And he's not even picky about how you do it. You see, here's the beauty of the idea that we would go on a first date with Jesus and then we would try again and then we would try again. The, the beauty is you can't mess up. It doesn't matter what stupid thing you might say to Jesus. He is already so deeply in love with you that he doesn't care. It doesn't matter if you wear the, the wrong outfit because Jesus is so enamored by you, his masterpiece, that he won't even notice. But out of our faithfulness, our willing to come over and over again, Jesus begins to transform our soul. The Holy Spirit explodes out of us and we become this promised new creation. And it isn't about our work. It is about our willingness to embrace the presence of Jesus who loves us so deeply. So just, just start. And it's completely appropriate if you need to come to me at the end of this and go, I don't have a clue what you just talked about for 30 minutes. Can we try again? Yes, we'll go to coffee this week and we'll try again and we'll figure out what some of that is. What might it look like for you to spend time with Jesus? What might it look like for you to understand that every bit of your life is being formed spiritually? Every bit of your life is being formed spiritually. It's either being formed in the image of Christ or it's being formed in the corrupt, perverted version of what we have decided we want to be on our own in sin. But every bit of your life is being formed. And as members of Valley, we've called you to commit yourselves to whole life discipleship formation in the image of Christ. i got to stop. Uh, pray with me. Jesus, I love that you want me to look like you even more than I want to look like you. I celebrate that as difficult as it is for us to find language and clarity around the idea of what it means for us to be in relationship with Jesus, that you long for it so deeply that if we're just willing to show up, you will do the rest. So God, I ask that in the next few moments that you would stir our soul and that you would bring us to the place that if nothing else, we're willing to say, Jesus, I'm here and I don't know what to do next, so would you do it for me? Give us courage to show up and then do the great work of transformation in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our team